I'm Nindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, the layperson's guide to enjoying music's benefits. Our guest today is world-renowned musician Samite Mulondo. Samite was born and raised in Uganda, where his grandfather taught him to play the traditional flute. When he was 12, a music teacher introduced him to a Western flute, and he became one of East Africa's most acclaimed flutists. In 1982, he was forced to flee to Kenya as a political refugee, and in 1987, he immigrated to the United States. Today, he and his wife, Sandra, make their home on a small horse farm in upstate New York. Samite has released many albums, composed film scores, and is the subject of a PBS documentary. And Samite, you've also been nominated recently for the Hollywood Music and Media Awards. Congratulations. Thank you. First of all, welcome to the show. And secondly, tell us about the Hollywood Music and Media Awards. Well, um, it was actually a surprise because it's uh, my first nomination uh, since I've done music for many, many years. Uh, but it's, uh, I think it's uh, music that is used in the media, music that used in the films and uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. And let's see, you've been nominated for a specific song, On the Same Journey. On the Same the Journey, yes. On the Same Journey. Well, all the best to you later in November. November 20th is the event, and that's when the awards are um, announced. Is that right? That's when the events will be announced. and It's going to be in Hollywood. Okay. Okay, yeah. fine. Well, all the best to you in November. Thank you. In 2002, you founded Musicians for World Harmony. And in this humanitarian capacity, you bring the healing power of music to former child soldiers, AIDS orphans, and refugee camps. My parent heart breaks when I think about the violence and the trauma these children have experienced. Tell us about your work with them and how music has a healing effect in these situations. Well, um, I could just take you back to the first time I realized that there was uh, there's healing power in music uh, with the, with these young um, orphans. I was invited to go back to Africa by a gentleman who came to one of my concerts to do humanitarian work. And we ended up in an IDP camp, internally displaced persons camp. Mm. And there the children had just gone through some of the worst. They'd seen some of the worst you could ever see as a child, like, you know, people's heads being chopped off or things like that, their parents' heads. It was horrible. And so these kids were numb, you know, like they were not even blinking. Flies were going in and around their eyes and they didn't even blink. And I noticed that when I played my wooden flute for them, the kids would start, you know, to pull on my shirt and say, "Can can I sing you a song? And they would start focusing again. They would start becoming alive. Mm-hmm. And so I, I realized that music had the power mm-hmm. to heal even the deepest of wounds. The mothers would start singing, the, you know, so I, just by playing flute and a little bit of kalimba. Mm-hmm. So there's something about music that helps people to remember, you know, to, you know, to get in touch with their you know, hopeful and beautiful side, even though they're going through some of the worst atrocities. Mm, wow. And you mentioned the kalimba. That's a p- uh, finger piano. Is that right? Yeah. Some people call it thumb piano. Okay. You play a lot of different instruments. Do you bring a variety of instruments with you when you go on some of these trips? I do. But usually when I'm flying, to tell you the truth, when I'm flying into some of those um, difficult places, 
I, I tend to bring just two instruments. Okay. Just, uh, I would say three, uh, kalimba, flute, and my voice. Mm, and, sure. And, <laughs> and usually what happens, though, um, they don't usually let you sing more than two songs. Who's mm, the People who are going through a difficult time. For example, women uh, could give you a story when I was in Congo, for example. And I was performing for women that had gone through some of the worst um, abuses, uh, including rapes and things like that. Once I start playing flute and then I move on to the kalimba, they usually tell me, sit down, we're going to sing for you now. Um, wow. And even though they are very, very sick, uh, it usually just, you know, just creating a, um, an environment for them to feel safe to sing again. Mm. Basically, that's what the flute does or the kalimba or the voice. And and they don't need a concert necessarily. They just want you to bring back music to them to help them sing again. Okay. So the songs that they want to start singing themselves are those traditional songs that they've been singing their whole lives? They're usually songs they haven't sung since the war started. Mm-hmm. These are usually traditional songs. And, and it's usually it's usually women to, who start this whole thing. And and they start, oh, we have a traditional song we want to share with you. And they usually call response songs. Okay. And so I just join in and sing with everybody else, even though I don't understand what they're singing. Okay. And why is it that the women are the ones who are usually starting that? Are the men not involved in the group? Men, men, men are not so um, open with their emotions right away. It takes them a while to... To um, when they've seen a lot of suffering, they kind of start holding it in. Mm, okay. And and the women, women are usually the most powerful people in such situations. They keep the families together. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, and so <laughs> so they start singing, and everybody goes like, oh, I guess it's okay to sing again. You know, the uh-huh. kids. You can see the look on their the kids' faces, like mommy's singing. Up, you know, when they've been running the whole time, all of a sudden it's like. It's okay to sing again, you know. Mm. My mom is singing. And then the guys slowly come in and they also start singing. Okay. When you visit some of these different places, how much time do you usually have with them? Do you spend an entire day with them? Yes. Uh, No, it depends. Uh, The situations where I spend a week coming back, you know, spend the whole day and then go away at night and then come back the following day. Mm Mm-hmm. But there are some situations where it's just one, you know, just a few hours, like meaning the whole day, because it takes a while to organize to get everybody together in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are situations, actually, even in the U.S., where it's just a few hours with a person in the hospital, and you start singing with for them, playing for them, and they open up and start talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I didn't even say this. Uh, after the singing, people start sharing their stories. Mm. Yes, it opens them up to feel comfortable to tell you what they've gone through. But they also start telling you what uh, what their dreams are. Like when the war is over, this is what we're going to do. Mm. Things like that. Yeah. Okay. So if you're able to send, spend an extended period of time, say a week or even just a few days with a group, do you see a progression of healing take place uh, from day one to day three to day five, or is it just kind of a, an ongoing way of connecting with them day after day? Well, there's so many other exercises we do, like when I've gone to some of these places, and it depends on the group and where they are. 
For example, if they're former child soldiers and I'm going to spend some time with them, I usually bring like a recording machine Mm-hmm. and I create a situation where they feel safe to sing without anybody laughing at anybody, even mm-hmm. though some people don't know how to sing. Okay. And, I, and I, I run these programs where I call them Music Hills programs, where I, I say we're going to use music to tell our story. It doesn't matter what you want to tell, but we're going to record you. It could be a poem. It could be a song you haven't heard or your mother used to sing for you. And you teach us, teach all of us, and we'll sing for you, with you. And it could be a, a dream, or a dream of yours, what you want the world to know about you. So I record the music, and then the next day I bring back a boombox, and I get them to hear what they did. And then those others who didn't feel like they were uh, safe enough or confident enough to sing the day before, they say, I want to sing today. (laughs) So it's a continuation of confidence. And those who sang the day before start walking around with their shoulders. You know, you could see now they are more confident. They are not considering themselves as killers. They are not considering themselves as people who are bringing joy to people because they hear their voices on on the boombox and everybody is patting them on their backs. So it's a continuation. If you spend a week, it's very exciting. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. One thing that I'm guessing you somehow incorporate too is resilience. I know you talked about sharing the music and people start to respond singing themselves. And also then they start to share their stories. You talked about mm-hmm. the confidence that you see building in some of the, the children your latest album is called Resilience that released a year ago. Is that right? Yes. It's called yeah. Resilience. Yes. Okay. How do you see that play out in the work that you do with some of these different um, people who are experiencing these atrocities? I've uh, mostly, um, with the resilience, the, uh, the music from my CD, I've mostly tested it with people in the U.S., Okay. People, people with dementia. Okay. I've I... tested, I've tested it with people who are um, locked up in nursing homes. Uh huh. And I've, and and so when I play, I ask them, I'm gonna play you this song, and just relax and tell me what you feel when I've, I'm done playing this song for you mm. live. And the the stories are just almost the same. Uh, usually, it's like at first I was afraid to go where the song was making me go. And then when I got over the fear, and now I'm feeling like I can conquer, I feel like I can conquer anything. So, yes, it's very, very interesting. Yeah, and I've been hearing almost the same response from a lot of the people. Hmm. I wonder what the fear is that they're experiencing when they first hear the sound, the song. Um, I know what it is. Uh, No, because the song gets you to to face yourself is there's not so much going on uh-huh. it's very soothing but it makes you so quiet and makes you go into this place where you can hear yourself okay and people are usually afraid of hearing themselves and yeah it is it, because then they are you know yeah i think that's what it is and and then they realize that it's not so bad uh, and then they realize oh i actually feel relaxed Mm. And then I feel like I can conquer anything. It's kind of interesting. That's what I get. Mm. Neat. Well, I read something about your tracks. They they feel open to interpretation and question, yet soothing and tender. 
So yeah. that would that would explain some of the feelings that you're describing that people talk about. Mm-hmm. That's neat. How do you get your inspiration for melodies, ideas for your songs? Many different places. Many times I get my inspiration from my dreams. Mm. Um, I, I usually get sometimes old women sing, uh, teaching me songs in my dreams. Oh, really? Yes. Old women from the nursing homes that you visit here in the U.S. or old women no, from your old childhood? African, old African women, like uh, really old, people I've never met before. Okay. And sounds a little crazy, but they also some, you know, many times in my dreams. So I sleep with my phone or a recording machine near the bed because I have to sing in it and then try oh. to learn that song afterwards. Oh. But they also, when I, uh, I listen to birds okay. and I, I copy birds. Sometimes I, I, I challenge the birds in songs. Sometimes when I wake up, you know, and, and the birds sing back. Um, and they you know, like try to copy their songs and they go like, okay, who's that singing my song? <laughs> and, then, and then they, they kind of up the game, you know, they're trying to compete. And so sometimes I get inspiration from that. And the times when I get inspiration just from what I see around me, uh, for example, there's a song that I named, my name is not homeless. My mother calls me baby. Mm. Uh, that was when I went to New York and everybody told me, don't walk on that street. There are homeless people on that street. Mm. And, uh, and I went to see who these homeless people were. And I saw a man sitting in a wheelchair and I just thought, okay, why is he in this wheelchair with his head bent down and he's not even waking up to make eye contact him when I've been looking at him for a long time. And when I went back to, you know, in my head, what came in my head was, my name is not homeless. My mother calls me baby. Um, mm. So so I get inspired sometimes from situations. But so those are, I guess, three or four different situations that I get inspired. And obviously, sometimes when I clean an instrument, for example, if I take care of a kalimba mm-hmm. and I pick it up with that, just the intention of just putting beeswax on it and polishing it. By the end of that whole session, it you know takes a few hours. There's a, you you sometimes get an inspiration from the song, mm. from the instrument. Yes, mm. Mm. neat. Well, going back to that word resilience, I really like that word and the different situations that you're describing with people, whether it's in uh, nursing homes with dementia, whether it's homeless people here in the United States, homeless people in other countries, refugees, whatever the situation, resilience really is the thing that we're all trying to kind of draw on. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it seems like the music and what you do kind of reminds people of their strength and helps them come to peace in some way. Would you agree with that? I totally agree. It reminds them that whatever you're going through right now, it's not going to be permanent. Mm. That's mm-hmm. really what it is. This is the end. The fact that we are singing again, we didn't think we could sing again. The fact that we are dancing and singing again, maybe the war is going to end. Mm. Maybe maybe the war, one day the war is going to end and I'm going to make new friends. That's what children usually say. Mm-hmm. So the music reminds them that this is not going to be like this forever. I'm laughing today. I'm singing today. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Now you have a tour called Resilience, a one-man theater performance. Is that right? Yes. Tell us about that. That um, is a very exciting project that I'm involved that I, I started doing. Um, in my concerts from way back, I realized that people loved to hear some of the stories I was sharing. And uh, and then they would also share their stories in the line as I was signing CDs. So I realized that when I spoke and shared my stories, it helped other people to share their stories and tell their own stories. Mm. And so, so I created this one-man theater performance, and I trained at there's a university called University of Saint Joseph, it's in in West Hartford. Okay. Um, I trained there with professors, directors for about two two or so years, just turning my my stories, which were one story, you know, one little story here, one little story, stories of the people I've met, stories of situations I've been in, and we put them together with music. So I tell my stories with music in between. They're usually about seven or seven or eight stories with songs in between. Mm -hmm. And it's it's very, very emotional and very powerful. It sounds like it. Yes, people cry and people get inspired. I've had some people tell me I was thinking of committing suicide, but I've changed my mind. Wow, that that is powerful. Yes, I've had actually it's happened multiple times. Oh, my word. Where people say I was actually seriously thinking of ending my life, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Oh, wow. It's a little overwhelming because, you you know, I, I've had to really work hard to realize I'm not responsible for their lives. But mm-hmm. but it's inspiring at the same time that this one-man theater performance helps people to even tell me that story that oh, I, yeah. I, I was thinking of ending my life. But now I feel like I'm going I can make a difference. Right. I'm going to try to help other people. You know what happens when we focus on ourselves too much? Things hurt. And in these stories, I share some stories of other people who've gone through some of the worst. Mm. And some of the people, uh, like basically when you take focus away from yourself mm-hmm. and think about, think about others, life gets easier. Mm. And also with time, again, things get easier. So those are some of the things that they get out of it. Like with time, I'll get better. And also, if I don't focus just on myself and help an, help an older woman cross the street, mm-hmm. uh, go go sit down and listen to an old woman's story or uh, my neighbor's story, help somebody else, mm-hmm. things get easier for you. It's, mm-hmm. I think things get really tough when we only think about ourselves. Absolutely agree, 100%. Yeah. The stories that you tell, are they stories all about other people that you've met? Are they stories about your childhood in Uganda? It's a combination of my own story as a refugee who left Uganda after losing my brother and my stepdad Mm. and a few other friends. And my experience in a refugee camp where I realized that living in a refugee camp was actually for me, wasn't the worst situation, but it, it opened my eyes to um, learning that we are all the same. Once you take away all the material things, mm-hmm. uh, in the refugee camp, they are beggars, they are doctors, they are lawyers, they are engineers, teachers, musicians, mm-hmm. but they're all refugees. We are all the same. Mm-hmm. Once, once you take that away and you kind of strip all that away and then you realize, you know what, we are all the same. 
Mm-hmm. And so I, those are some of the stories I share. I share some stories where, for example, I was in the Midwest visiting a, a hospital and this guy was, uh, having, was having a problem that day receiving chemotherapy and he was really going through a difficult time and he, you could see his wife was afraid of him. And I introduced myself and you could see he'd never talked to a black man before. Mm-hmm. And um, he was having a hard time with that too. At the end of the me playing for him, and sharing stories, he was he was calling me he was calling me my best friend. I was Aww. his best friend, and he opened up and told me his fears. Mm. His fears was he was afraid that this chemotherapy might not work. What if it doesn't work? I'm going to die. You know, mm-hmm. what's my wife going to do? So so it doesn't matter where. Mm. There's amazing stories, and I think people need to learn to talk more. You know, talk to people, and not be in our cell phones and our little gadgets. Mm-hmm. And yes. and talk and talk more and sing more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your two your resilience tour is that still ongoing? Can listeners get tickets to that? We just finished. I just finished uh, doing in um, New England area. Mm-hmm. They should just go out on my website and see where it's going to happen again. It's something that's going to be ongoing. But right now, I don't have particular bookings just for that. Okay. But, but okay. if you go to my website, samite.com you can see when it's happening again. Mm-hmm. Great. And Samite is spelled S-A-M-I-T-E. So samite.com. Yes. Wonderful. There's a quote that I read of yours. You said, at this time when I feel there's a lot of negative energy going around and people are feeling unsettled, we need to turn to music. We all need to dig into ourselves and ask, how do we make lives easier for other people around us, not just for ourselves? Music can help us find our way. Love that quote, and it really kind of sums up what we've been talking about together today. Exactly, yeah. Real quick, before we jump into the improv, a couple other things that you find inspiration in and enjoy, I understand, are photography, woodworking, and your horses. Tell us about your horses. (laughs) My horses, there are uh, two horses. One is mine and one, one is my wife's. Uh-huh. They're brother and sister, Shadow and Time. Okay. Um, I never knew I'd fall in love with with horses. It just happened accidentally. Okay. Um, and so these horses have changed my life because they don't talk back, but <laughs> they, they have so much, they have, they're so powerful and they send messages I mean, I could be working in my studio playing and they sit there listening to me by the window. Uh, uh, and it's just so rewarding to see. When I put the flute down, they walk away like, okay, he's done. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they're, they're, they're amazing animals. Horses are just absolutely amazing animals. When they need water, they don't even need to say. You just feel it like, okay, I think they need something. They, don't, they, they have a way of sending positive energy to you. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I never really realized the full extent of that until just recently, I read an article that my sister shared with me, my sister is really into horses. And just reading this article was kind of eye opening just to realize the communication that goes back and forth without words, obviously, since horses aren't speaking. Yeah, yeah, it's really amazing. It's actually crazy. And if in fact, if you start telling people about it, they might think you've lost it. (laughs) <laughs> but, but they have a way of communicating long distance even you know like um, even the way i found my own horse shadow you know i thought i was allergic to horses and one day i just woke up told my wife hey that horse you love so much shadow the owner is gonna sell it to you today 
And uh, she said, what, did she call? I'm like, ah, I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> she went to the farm and the woman called and said, hey, I'm ready to sell shadow. And I said, you know, if it goes with what I dreamt or what came in my vision, just give us something, some stupid price, which was $3,000. And when he said, you know, was a $15,000 horse. Oh, wow. And, and the woman goes, okay. I, 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 and so, I, so I was like, okay, honey, you're going to own two horses? And she's like, no, just come. Let's go see them. I'm like, ah, I'm allergic to horses. She's like, just come. And Shadow came out from the shadows and came and kissed me on the forehead. Aww. I, and uh, from there on, I was like, I don't have any allergies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a neat story. Yeah. Well, on the podcast, we have a segment that I call the improv segment. It's uh, try this at home, a hack, an experiment that guests recommend that will enhance listeners' lives with music. Do you have an improv idea for us today? Yeah, I wonder if it will sound good with the uh, over the phone, but I could try to make some bird sounds that I love hearing in the morning. Okay. Usually that was I used to get the birds to start singing. Oh, wow. Like just hearing that makes me feel like it's spring in Minnesota. <laughs> could you? Could, <laughs> so I do that for just about three minutes, three, four minutes. And obviously the birds start coming out from there. Okay. You talked about that a little bit earlier in our conversation about how you'll sing to them. They'll sing back to you. Yes. Neat. So the improv would be to... Sing to the birds, see if they Sing to the respond. Birds. Pay attention to the birds. Okay. Boy, I don't know if I, you might have to like explain how to make that whistle. Any tips yeah. for us on how to do that? You just have to practice. Watch the bird, listen to the birds and try to copy their sounds, whatever they're making. So. Love that. <laughs> so what do you do in the winter? Are there oh, enough birds around in the winter? I mean, you're in upstate New York. I relatives know. And, yeah, I, know. I think you get more snow than we do. I, and, and where we live right now, I moved from, uh, I used to live in Ithaca, New York. Right now, I live in a little town called Tully. Okay. And, and I'm telling you, we get, you know, you could be driving elsewhere. There's no snow and you come back here and it's about five feet of snow. So. <laughs> So, so it's really amazing that we survive. Um, uh, so you don't hear bird sounds and you don't see the birds in the winter time. So it's pretty much depressing that way. Sure. <laughs> but, but I've learned to survive that too. You just dress really warm uh-huh. and get out sure. and, and just walk around as if you're in summertime. And I, I did it last year and it's just really made my winter go very fast. Oh, good. Well, how can listeners learn more about your work and connect with you? You mentioned your website. You also have a website for the organization Musicians for World Harmony. And what is yes. that website? That's uh, musiciansforworldharmony.org. Okay. And you're on Facebook. I'm going to include some links on the show notes, too, to some films that you're in. Alive Inside is a film that I absolutely loved. I just saw the full film for the first time a few weeks ago. Isn't that a nice film? Oh, just love it. Yeah, very, very powerful. Inspiring. 
Yeah, I have a link, I think, to the segment that features you specifically. So I'll include that in the show notes. But the full film is really amazing. I also have a link to your photography and TED Talks. So I'll include those in the show notes. For our coda, our musical ending, our guest shares a special musical moment with us. And I understand you have a song that you're going to share with us today, and it's the song that you're, you've are you been nominated for that award for. And the title is... That's the, called On the Same Journey. On the Same Journey. Love that title, because it really encapsulates what we've been talking about. Can you tell us a little bit more about the song before we play that? You know, there are many ways of explaining we're on the same journey. I just feel like when we come on Earth here, we are on the same journey. And if we remember that, we are all here to learn... Okay, this is my belief, okay? Mm -hmm. I I believe that we're here to learn as spirits, you know? Mm -hmm. We are here to learn and to grow and to share our stories so that others can learn as well. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like uh, we are on the same journey and we need to remember that. We just come here to grow and to learn and share our experiences. and, And then we need to be kind to each other because of that. We are on the same journey.
listeners for joining us today. A special thank you goes to listener Shelley, who responded to episode 12, Coldplay's Music Therapy for Kids Suffering Illness. That was with Melodic Hearing Project's Levi and Stephanie Ware. Shelley wrote that music was a huge blessing in her daughter's healing when she was hospitalized for months. Shelley wrote, this was an awesome podcast. What an amazing couple and organization. Of course, I forwarded their website to the child life coordinators we know at both hospitals. Thanks for sharing this. Of course, I wanted more details on how music was helpful in her daughter's healing process. Shelley was kind enough to give more info and wrote, she was a dancer when she was diagnosed, so music is very important for her to start with. We used to borrow a mat from Child Life and do her dance stretches on the mat to music for relaxation. Then when she had her transplant, we made her a playlist of songs that reminded our prayer warriors of Megan that she enjoyed listening to. When she was intubated and sedated in ICU for a long time, I brought an iHome speaker into the room and played her favorite playlists all day for her. One time a song came on and she started tapping her toe to the beat even while sedated. (laughs) Love that. Lastly, she had music therapy three days a week after she got out of ICU. It was part of her actual therapy regimen along with speech, physical, and occupational therapy. So music was huge for her recovery. I guess so. That's so cool. Thanks so much for sharing this, Shelly. And I'm so glad that your daughter is doing well now. As you all know by now, I love audience feedback. Please let me know, like Shelly, a practical way you use music to enhance your life. Or comment on how you especially enjoyed someone else's suggestion. Each episode includes a suggestion from both our guest and a listener. Leave a comment on my website, mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. Comment on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or send me an email, mindy at mpetersonmusic.com. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.